Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dream Big, Play Bigger podcast. I'm your host, AJ Richards, and today I'm really excited to introduce you to a good friend of mine, Jason St. Clair. Jason St. Clair is a former pro baseball player. He's now a MLB agent, as well as functional fitness athletes in the CrossFit space. And last I knew, you were working with people that do uh, Olympic lifting as well. So you're agents for many athletes in different sports. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Awesome. And yeah. You're also the CEO of X Endurance, and there's some really exciting things uh, in that company that you've been kind of pushing forward, and it's kind of gone through a pre- pretty big structure change as well, and I'm excited to dive into that with you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know, most of you, my listeners, you guys know about my experience with Rush Club. Jason and his team at X Endurance were some of our first partners. They helped us really get that momentum rolling and made the right connections for it to get to where it got to. And so Jason and I go back a long ways uh, in the Phoenix Valley in the space functional fitness world. And so it's cool to be here connecting with you again. Both of us are kind of doing things a little different than where we were back then. And yeah, so yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You're also a a father of three daughters. Is that correct? Yes. You and I have some in common. (laughs) Yes, we do. We definitely have that in common. So that's awesome, man. So, um, so first of all, let's go ahead and just get started, brother. What does uh, what does your a definition of success mean to you, or what does that look like? How do you identify success for yourself? And you know, in your space where you're looking for partnerships and people to work with and and that kind of thing, how do you identify success amongst the athletes and others that you work with? You know, to simplify, because that's a very I guess a very broad question, but it could go in so many different ways. I think to simplify for me. And where I started in the industry as a sports agent was just relationships. Like one of the first, one first things I was told was never burn a bridge, you know? So, you know, there are, there are many times that in that, in that agent world, you can burn bridges, right. Mm -hmm. But you might need that relationship, right? So in this world, it's like, what, what are we supposed to do? It's like to help people, right? So everything's about relationships. If you go back to that movie, uh, Jerry Maguire, if you haven't seen it, you know, that, that old guy pops in and he's like relationships, relationships, relationships. So I think success um, for me, as I seen it, looking back is, is having healthy relationships. And that, that starts from, you know, family, um, you know, to your, your marriage or your girlfriend, boyfriend, kids, um, but then also your working relationships. So to me, I think by having healthy relationships will evolve to a lot of success. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, if somebody has a relationship that's strained, like could be a a business partnership or, you know, coworkers or, or something like that, how do you navigate those waters while kind of living into that and not sort of like burning that bridge when it's no longer a relationship that you want to continue? I think if there's a way to still be connected, I mean, you know, you'll, you'll go through life and there'll be relationships that, you know, that just, there's a means to an end. There's never, there's never going to be anything else there. And maybe it's work related or maybe it's just from a personal standpoint, it won't work out. But I went through a forum called landmark back in, um, 2000, let's see, 11, 12 ish. And that taught me to be just completely transparent and, and with people, but also have humility. So if you can go back to that strained relationship or whatever it is and talk with them and, you know, admit humility or some find a way to repair it because of the way you were being, or, you know, the way they thought they saw it. Um, if you can have humility and be authentic with people, I think there's, 
I think people will be shocked by it. And I think people will accept that and receive it so much differently that they can't even push back on it other than two. All right, let's try this again. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. In common as well. Both yeah. graduates. <laughs> that's right. You went through it. Yeah. Um, so you said something there that I'm, I'd like you to kind of expand a little bit more. You're talking about talking to somebody and identifying your weaknesses or breakdown in that relationship. So that requires vulnerability. How, how do you relate to or see vulnerability in, in your life? You know, I mean, vulnerability and everything, like, cause we're all human and um, relating it to the agent job. I realized for a long time, there was no room for error, but also if there was an error that I would have to take responsibility for that error. So yeah, being vulnerable and having, when I say humility is like, um, people want to look like things are better than they are. And you know, and that goes to like asking for help. Right. And that's where we get on that downward spiral. And that, that goes back to the mental part of it too. But if you think about you, notice something mentally with yourself that you're about to go on that downward spiral, but you can go and talk to someone, be so vulnerable that it might never get to that dark place. Right. Because you had that authentic, you know, conversation with someone. Yeah, totally. My experience is that usually you find out that's there for them as well. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, Oh, thank goodness. Like yes. taking off the situation because both parties are feeling that way. And being the leader of, you know, leading into vulnerability, it's like, oh, great. You know, it's yeah. that. I think a lot of times we feel like being vulnerable, the worst case scenarios. If I'm vulnerable, you're gonna, they're going to use this against me. And my experience yeah. is that's very, very rarely the case. Yeah, exactly. Actually, one of the last time I remember my, I was in a wedding and we were, you know, we were standing up there and I could tell my friend behind me was having anxiety because I, you know, I've suffered from anxiety. And I knew, I knew, he, you know, someone's going on behind me. And I was like, hey, they're not staring at you. And <laughs> he had no idea what I meant by that until afterwards. He's like, how'd you know something was wrong? It's like, man, I've been there. I've had anxiety. Like, I've been at that moment where like, I'm having an anxiety attack right now. Like, what if they're all staring at me and I'm going to pass out right here? Like, so, you know, to, to offer that humility to know that, hey, I've gone through it or I'm going through it too, just opens up that relationship tenfold. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And then you also said um, uh, loyalty and reliability. So those really, all three of those things that you identify as mattering, making a difference for you or, or what's important to you, they all generate around relationships. Totally. Yeah. So from the reliability standpoint, like one of my pet peeves is if you say you're going to do it, do it, you know? And so that's my motto too. It's like, if you, if I'm going to say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, you know, as, and maybe there'd be a time like, dang it. I said, I did it. or I'm going to do it. So I got to do it, even though you don't want to do it. Right. Yeah. And then the, lo- the loyalty is just, it comes back to like my personality. I'm just, I'm loyal as a dog. So I expect that from others, but I think it goes a long way too when you show loyalty because it's so easy to just, you know, jump ships these days for, for many different reasons. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I've definitely, that's what I, uh, a character, a characteristic that I recognize in you is as long as I've known you, you've been pushing forward with the MLB and you've been with X endurance and you haven't wavered. Even, even if the market seems to kind of flow, you're flowing yeah. with it and you're finding ways to adapt. So, um, Tell me about, so real quick for the listeners that are listening or watching. So CEO of X Endurance, I got introduced to X Endurance back in my CrossFit gym days. Yeah. Uh, we actually did a third party blind study 
hosting our gym. It was amazing. Yeah. Like, dude, my my Fran time for CrossFitters listening to this, my Fran time, like I, you know, a little bit of um ego, well, a lot of bit of ego showed up for that test. <laughs> it does and, for all of us. Yeah. yeah. Dude. So I remember the first weekend I set a PR, it was like two. 30 or something like that, 240. But my my levels were way up. The CK levels is what we were testing. Yeah. But more importantly, I was done. Like once that workout was over, I the you know the, the ground was like moving. Like, <laughs> I was freaking fried, you know. The worst workout. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. We did it one week later while uh, after being on the product, and I PR'd again. I think I finished at like 218. But the biggest difference was that I could go again within two minutes. Like, I yeah. was, dude, I feel really good. So uh, that's a, just a quick introduction to this product that I was first introduced to called X Endurance. You guys have grown your product uh, category since then quite a bit. Yeah. And work with some really incredible athletes and the results of the product definitely speak for themselves. So uh, tell us a little bit about X Endurance, its mission, because you work with some really high quality athletes and because relationships matter. You're yeah. not gonna, you know, be behind a product that doesn't work, but just give us an idea of the product, but then also what it looks like to be a CEO of this company and the new direction you guys are going. Sure. So, you know, it's, so much has evolved since that test and that, that actually was a huge um, transition for us when that test happened, because we didn't realize the CK levels that we were testing, what it did for your health. Right. And I'll touch on that study uh, that we've published in the medical journal since then, but um, as you know, that product extreme endurance is so versatile and it's so hard to sell to someone, right? Because they don't believe it till they try it. Yeah. And so this goes back to relationships. It's like, if you can prove to someone in the relationship, maybe it's trust, right? That's going to be a great relationship for a long time. So as a company, we've always felt like proving ourselves is one of the best things because that product makes us prove ourselves. So we've had 12 clinicals in 10 years on it. Uh, you were one of them. Yeah. Um, but from that, from that study, um, we found out such, such amazing things. What, as I used to know is I'd sell it just as performance, but that study after, after you, um, the university of Louisiana took, took it on for a study. And not only did we reduce lactic acid by 26%, we reduced CK levels by six times. And so, you know, I was educated more what CK, CK levels were. So you CrossFitters that are listening, you know, um, to reduce CK levels, it's the muscle fiber breakdown that gets in the bloodstream and can cause things like rhabdo, you know, and that's very, very popular. So it's an overexertion of the muscles. Um, MS patients have high levels of CK levels sometimes. Um, if you had a heart attack or stroke, it's one of the first things they test in your blood at the hospital. Wow. So, and the bigger thing that we found also after that was that we reduced oxidative stress, which is the leading cause of degenerative disease today. And so that means oxidative stress is what's aging us, right? And we can't stop that, but we can slow it down because we reduced it by 39% in just 10 days. And so we're doing it from the inside out. So our mission is to help someone get health, maintain health, but also help you perform better. So to me, performance equals health with that product. But also, you know, the, the trust behind it is that we have proven this product over and over again to show you that it works. Um, so our mission, like I said, is, is to get quality products um, that work and that are approved um, to, to the market on a different level because I feel like a lot of companies don't educate people 
but also they don't do these types of studies to prove themselves, right? But we also make products that are two in one, three in one that fill gaps in our nutrition based on how we eat convenience, how we mass produce foods. And so we don't, we have a lot more skews than you remember, uh, skews, sorry, that you remember, but we don't have as many as many companies um, because a whole food eating dial comes first, diet comes first, um, but there are gaps to be filled. Yeah. So that, that's our mission just to educate people on, on when and how to use these products. I remember you telling me one time that there was a demand because of the, the, um, the popularity that the brand was getting early on, yeah. know, especially the functional fitness world. And so there's this demand for more product, proteins, creatine, and so forth. And I remember you telling me Sandy Kellen, the founder, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So Sandy was so adamant that the only thing that X Endurance ever got behind was thoroughly researched. Yeah. And so that's why at the time, all you had was X Endurance. And I remember when they were sampling the creatine or trying to get some, some statistics behind the best creatine available. What, um, what was the cost of making sure you guys were dialed in and staying true to that mission early on? Do you feel like you guys, so I guess what I'm asking is X endurance, you guys grew it from the ground up. This right. is some big investment company that's coming to flip no. it and throw a bunch of money, do a bunch of marketing, flip it and be gone. Yeah. You guys really worked your butts off for many years to get here. So how tempting was it to just throw skews in there because that momentum was there? And what was that sort of, what was your conversations like to stay committed to that knowing? Yeah, that's a great question. It, yeah. And I know what you're saying. Um, it's, it's very easy to, cause you know, I was introduced to this product by my dad and he was in the manufacturing supplements for a long time. So I know you can literally launch a supplement company in three months, especially if you have great marketing, you can sell it. You know, people literally take white labeled products that are made already and just slap their name on it and their branding. And so it's very easy for us to do a white label product, but um, for us, it's not the right way to do it. So you have, you have a premium product like extreme endurance, right? You need to build products to complement that around it and they have to be just as quality. So that was never a hard decision. I think the hardest part was having patience because it, it, it to do, do something good in the right way takes a long time. And I think that's where people suffer. And this will go to, you know, when we talk about mindset is that people just don't have patience these days, you know, and they give up too easily. But when you're fueled by something that's passionate about, you never, you never see anything negative in it. Right. right. And there's always a way to, introduce that what that product to someone um because you are passionate about it yeah. so I, as i say it's one person at a time yeah nice okay. one person at a time yeah. yeah so recently you guys did a big pivot i mean you were kind of yeah. wholesale retail type if if yep, exactly. and so what's the shift been and what's that experience been like especially now you're working with more people yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been like starting over to be honest with you. So I thought when I started with the company in 2000, like late 11, um, 2012, that I scratched the surface because you know, this product's amazing and you know, it's been almost nine years. So it's like in January when we launched, it's like we started all over, but it's amazing. So, but the reason we went, we went to direct sales to answer your question. And the reason why is because I believe that's where the world's going. Um, 
we saw what Amazon was doing to our wholesale reps. Okay. I feel like brick and mortars at one point will, will be gone because of Amazon. Um, but we also were, we were courted by several different companies that wanted to acquire us because of our performance line. And two of those companies were the largest direct sales company in the world. And so what we learned by leaving that meeting two years ago in Utah um, was that the performance market for supplementation is the 50 year old older looking at highly athletes and people like you and I, what are we, what are they taking so they can live longer? Okay. And that, this is where performance equals health now. Right. And so they also didn't have the R and D. They didn't have the clinicals that we have. They don't have the elite athletes that we have. They didn't have the social media presence and our branding, I think is pretty slick. Um, And so for that very reason, us as a company, everyone here at HQ is very passionate about this company. So we decided, hey, we'll do it on our own because we know we have elite health products already. We've just marketed them as performance. But truly, performance is health because like you, AJ, you want to go to the gym, right, and get better at your next workout. Yep. And that's going to get you to your goals quicker, right? Mm-hmm. And so that is performance, whether, whether it's a yoga mom or someone doing Pilates or whatever it is. Um, so that was the reason for our change. And also one of the things is the gig economy. So, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we started with working with elite athletes because with the push of a button, they can landscape the globe, right? And that would trickle down to us and the weekend warriors and the, and the moms. And so that was the best way to get the message out quickly on this product. And then that ultimately got us to retail. But when we were when we were thinking about going this direction, I wrote down how we grew. I was completely anti-direct sales. I can tell you <laughs> that. I was this is not my personality. But when I wrote everything down and we just removed retail, we were a direct sales company. And then what I mean by that is we've coined the term social level selling. And so uh, it's something that we use instead of MLM. We use social level selling and uh, direct sales. But if it wasn't for the gig economy, um, I don't think we'd have gone this direction. So, you know, like I said, I really like to discover the mindset that has people like you making these choices and, and live, leaning into that fear. So you said, I wrote it down. Yeah. Before it's rolling around in your head. Can you walk us through sort of what that experience is like? Here's these conversations like, hey, you should consider this. And then there's all that resistance that was going on up here. Oh, yeah. What was that process like of like, okay, let me write it down. How did that look? Can you explain? The conversation was first, no way in hell am I going that direction. (laughs) Absolutely not. How do I get out? Like, I'm out. What was the fear behind that? It was, for me, it was this, it was a stigma of of MLM. Mm. You know, you know, what comes along with that, right? Oh yeah, and so that was the only fear. Mm. That was it for me. But when I again, when I wrote it down, was working with elite athletes, influencers, um, wholesale, um, you know, our boots on the ground, retail. Like, just remove retail, and it was like, wow, we were a direct sales company through social platforms, essentially, right? And we had so many people wanting to be sponsored by us or or work for us. You can't pay everyone, but this was a way to pay everyone. So my only fear was just the stigma around that industry, but I never had a fear of, of, or or any doubt of this company because of the products. I'm so passionate about it. I never second guessed myself when we went this direction until December, you know, we shut off all our lifelines. We cut off all retail. We shut shut down our website for five days and that was extremely stressful, right? Yeah. Because you didn't know how the launch was going to go, but um, it's been, it's been very successful 
And I think it's just because of the passion that we have behind the products and the company and the yeah. people. Yeah. So, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of tie-ins from what we talked about a minute ago about relationships and reliability. With this model, the reliability is on them, their success, whoever's involved in this as an employee, right? So rather than have people that are employees that you're having to sort of manage or micromanage or, or however that style right. be, it's really guiding them, teaching them, and then letting it up, leaving it up to them to be reliable for themselves. Is that, is that fair to say? Is that kind of what you've? Um, somewhat. They get a lot of support from corporate, you know, like yeah. we support, I don't know if you see on social, but we have a lot of people yeah. that come to HQ and we, we train them. And we also have, we have trainings and we have summit, like our next summit's in October uh, in Scottsdale. So we, we definitely want to train our people the best, not only on product knowledge, but on the business model and how to go out there and duplicate themselves on, on just how we did. Um, it's no different than us having like a wholesale rep, right? Going to sell to like your gym. You know what I mean? The only difference is those people couldn't duplicate themselves. They just had to keep doing it month over month. Yeah. So in this model, now they're able to say, Hey, AJ, like you use this product. You love the product. What imagine if you can get some referral income or just referring it because you're so passionate about it. Right. And that's really the only difference is now that we can compensate people that, that really helped build our company from talking about products. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. A lot of people were anyway. So yeah, yeah. Opportunities to get back. Yeah. Yep. It's interesting because I, I read or heard somewhere that the U.S. is the only place where MLM or this type of marketing or selling is like has a bad stigma. It's it's commonplace in other like you yes. wouldn't go to the store necessarily to buy this stuff. You'd go find the friend that's doing that. It's just exactly. I know it's funny, and I didn't know that until we went in this direction. So. You know, we will be going in Europe uh, in 2020 because we have an HQ over there as well. Yeah. And they just do everything that the U.S. does. They're just a year behind. Yeah. And then our, our plan in five years, five-year plan would be to get to Japan because that's what you're talking about. Those people know exactly what to do over there. They, they go find their friends and buy from them then go to a store. That's awesome. Yeah. Didn't, didn't X-Endurance originate in Europe? Like I... Sandy. It did. Yeah. So Sandy originated in, in Europe uh, in 90, 1998 and okay. he brought it to the U.S. in about 08. So we've been around for 20 years, but we've also we've been in, in, in the U.S. Uh, in retail sales for over 10. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So not a new company. No, not a new company. Yeah. Right? OK, so talk to me about routines. So being being the CEO of the company here now with lots of new people coming on board this team to help drive this, uh, plus your own history as a pro ball player, which required certain routines to get to that level. Now being an agent for many pro athletes, what have you noticed or kind of have picked up on the importance of routines? Does it just vary to the, from person to person, or are there some really key indicators that, that, um, that you picked up on or picking up on that the most professional or the most successful people do? Um, I, well, I mean, simple answer is consistency. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, and by being consistent also duration. So like, thank you for the compliment. You said you've seen me, you identify me as an agent, but also with X endurance. Right. Mm -hmm. So to me that has, I've proven to you that I've had consistency over the years of yes. staying with those two jobs. Right. Yep. And so Routine can be very detailed out. It just depends on the person. You know, I'm a little bit type A. The only thing I wish I did a better job at was to have a calendar. And actually, 
a few minutes before this call. I was like, anyone know of a good calendar app? Because <laughs> I have everything up here. Yeah. Um, but there are some certain things that I need routine in my life. So like I need to work out. I need a minimum of three days a week for my mental capacity. Otherwise I do get anxious um, on a good week. I'll get five um, meal prepping for me is very important because if I don't, if I don't do that, I won't eat. I'll be at this office and I just won't eat. I won't leave. Right. And it's important. You know, how important it is to eat. Yeah. Um, even if you're just trying to be a healthy person or lose weight. Um, so that's routine working out. Um, routine in the morning for me is, is very important because, you know, as, as having daughters, yeah. um, one thing is making breakfast for, for my family. Um, you there, you froze a second. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Routine. And then, um, the other thing for me, that's small routine is that I, I journal. Um, so every day I have a routine of writing either my thoughts or, or what I'm grateful for. Um, to, to be reminded why I don't take this in my life for granted. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Journaling is something that I've taken on new that five Joe Dispenza, you know who Joe Dispenza is? No, I don't. Dr. Joe Dispenza. I, I think you'd really appreciate him if you looked him up, but he's a mindfulness teacher, teaches meditation, how to line up our energy and make oh. that in alignment with what we're up to. Right. And so yeah. that's what he says. Five things you're grateful for. One positive thing about yourself, which is really hard for people to do. If, Absolutely. And when I ask, say something good about yourself, like to my clients, it's really hard to just say that, which is unfortunate. So it's, it's the practice of that. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. That's great. And um, so last thing on that, just to, just so you know, so all those routines and consistency, it, it helps you be prepared to me. Yeah. And so if you're prepared, then you shouldn't have any doubt or fear. You know, if you relate it to an athlete, um, and, you know, if I look back at my days playing baseball, we practice every day, right? We had batting practice. We took ground balls and that was for a reason. So it was preparation for the game so that if that were to happen, I was ready for it. So same thing in life, whatever you can do to be proactive or prepare for, then there shouldn't be any fear. And that's what I remind my athletes. Like I have an Olympic athlete that gets very anxious and has anxiety. And it's like, Hey, all the hard work's done you do it in practice. Like it's muscle memory. Now you're going to, you're just going to get out there and do it because you've done it so many times yeah. and you're prepared. So how do you find balance for the two roles you play? Well, more than two, you've got, you're a father, you're a husband, you're a CEO of X endurance. You're an agent for multiple athletes. How do you find that balance? A lot of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's been tough. It's been, you know, the, the way I've had to find better balance as we've grown as a company from X endurance standpoint is that I've just had to do a little less travel, travel logistically. Um, cause I used to live on an airplane. Um, because that's another thing. And part of the routine is that out of sight, out of mind. Right. So you always got to be with your relationships. Um, but just staying in my routine is the best way I keep it balanced. If I get thrown off it. Yeah. I mean, I guess I am a more routine people, a person as I think about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, you were talking about calendars earlier. So recently had a breakthrough in my own life about using calendars. What is that? Is that an app? Th this is just the Google calendar on my phone. Oh, is it? Wow. Yeah. See, I need that. That's what my brain looks like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would miss meetings. Like 
and, and I would feel terrible. And, but I had this mental block that if I, if my calendar was full, I felt like constricted. Yeah. But that was before even putting anything on the calendar. It was just this thing rolling around in my head. If, if I put everything on the calendar, I'm going to feel limited. I like my freedom. And I had this, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't valid. It was just a fear before actually applying it. Right. I applied this practice into my life and the amount of freedom I actually feel now, because my, I know my phone, I mean, I'm leveraging technology. My phone's mm-hmm. going to alert me when I need to be doing something. And yeah. if it's, if it's across town, I can set the time that I need the alert. So it gives me enough time to get to town. Yeah. So actually a ton of stress left, not worrying about, am I going to be here on time or am I going to make this appointment on time? Because it's all, it's scheduled, it's planned. So even though you look at my calendar and it looks like there's no agency in there, it actually right. gives me more of it because if there is an opening, I can do whatever the heck I want. Like yeah. I've booked everything out in my day. So I love it. And then that's what I need to incorporate for myself. Yeah. You'll yeah. love it. it. makes a huge difference. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, so how do you keep motivated? So with all of this stuff going on, do you, it's got to be a part of your routine, the, the exercise, staying balanced and everything. Do you ever find like days where you're just not motivated and how do you get out of that when you still have stuff to do? You know, it's most mornings I wake up with a really heavy head because I, I think I, I don't use it. Uh, you know, everything's in my head. So I, I wake up heavy. Um, hold on one second. My internet saying it's unstable. Okay. Um, so there, there, it's very easy for me to stay motivated for a lot of reasons. Number one is my family, you know, I wake up with these, you know, my, my wife and, and my beautiful kids and that's number one, but also I've gone through the bad stuff, you know, not the bad stuff, but I've worked jobs that I wasn't passionate about. And I've been in a career that I wasn't passionate about and I've found something that I'm just hugely passionate about. So it's easy for me to wake up and come to work. And it's also when I, when I hear stories that our products help change lives, that is a huge motivator to keep going. And the last thing is going to be that I think this market is very skewed. Um, I use the term snake oil all the time. And I, my, one of my drivers is to make sure that we are educating and and disrupting this industry uh, and doing it the right way. And so that's a huge motivator of mine. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. So you said that when you wake up, naturally, there's the heavy head. Yeah. How do you, what, what um, do you have a routine or do you like, you know, that's kind of going to be the case, right? I'm the same way. I wake up and I start stressing about what the day's got for me, even before I know what the day has for me. Yeah. I stopped. Uh, one of the things Joe Dispenza talks about is don't touch your phone until you determine when you're going to do it. The yeah. moment we touch this, even if we don't look at anything, this connects to some neural patterns in our brain that automatically starts telling us about all the stresses that come with this. Right. So I don't even look at my phone period now until like 8 AM. That's my, that's my start time. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that makes a difference for me because I can clear the fog out of my head from waking up. So something for you that's specific when you wake up that way. Yeah. It's kind of along the same lines. It's a little different for me. Um, I do touch my phone, but and that does add stress, but it's, if I, if I go into my morning routine, then I'm focused on what I'm doing is making breakfast. And, yeah. you know, you know how it is feeding three, three little girls in the morning. And so that, that takes my mind away from anything stressful from the workspace. And then in that time frame, I'm waking up and I'm, you know, come back to myself and 
then focus on what I need to do for that day. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, you can, you know, you can count on those things and then it gives you a chance to process what you have coming up. Yeah. And so from a, you know, I don't talk about spiritual stuff all the time, but I read a book um, and, and the podcast is great. If you have time to ever listen to it, if you drive a lot, but it's uh, with Oprah Winfrey and, and Eckhart Tolle. And okay. it's, it is spiritual, but um, he talks about just being present. And so that was a big, big help for me was listening, you know, the ways he's, he's so, so in depth and so intelligent, but um, to be present, absolutely present with everything that you're doing, you know, will will take away those stresses. Mm. Yeah. I've been reading uh, Eckhart Tolle's book, uh, A New Earth. Yeah, that's it right there. Okay, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And the conversation about the ego and like the more yeah. I peel back those layers of the ego, it's unbelievable. How much freedom comes from like, oh, yes. You know? and, and, and that's kind of what I teach now is we are not our thoughts. Our thoughts yeah. are our ego. So push that aside. Then what would you create? How would you be without those? Exactly. Yep. That book exactly it cool. and the and the podcast if you've if you've read the book and then definitely listen to the podcast because you know Oprah actually interviews him every chapter and they have people call in and ask questions about things they didn't understand so he dives even deeper uh, on what he meant by some of the things in the book awesome okay yeah I'll definitely be checking that out yeah um, speaking of books what has been the most impactful book in your life can you think of that. Um, you know, the most recent ones that I've read, I've read a lot of books, but, um, a lot of good books, uh, outlier, um, shoe dogs, one of my favorites. I love that book. I, and I relate to that. Obviously not, we're not Nike, but right. from a business owner standpoint for a long time, he struggled paycheck to paycheck, even when he was a several million dollar company. And you look at, you look at Nike and you're like, all right, you're making several million dollars. How are you paycheck to paycheck? But he had real struggles, you know? Um, as a as a pioneer, he pioneered the industry of shows, right? And yeah. think about you know our age, Bo Jackson and Michael Jordan, and what he did for us, right? From from building Nike. So that one's one book I really loved. Um, I read it and then I actually listened to it again. And then the the most recent one I read I really loved was Atomic Habits. Yes, by James Clear. So that one's actually, I gotta be honest with one of my favorites because I don't know if you've read it or heard about it, but, um, I relate a lot to the analogy you use about bamboo, um, you know, s- small successes compound into large successes and it, bamboo, you know, takes five years to grow underground and then it sprouts up, I think like 90 feet in six yeah. weeks or something. Yeah. So that's how I looked at our company, you know, X endurance where it's done the right way by taking you know, building this underground and then when it's the right time for us to sprout out. And oh. so I, I just love that book for that. That book is really good. I, I think it, I've been reading a lot of books lately. So sometimes I forget where I've learned these different sort of distinctions, but I think it's that book where he talks about the four levels, four phases of transformation. Yeah. Yep. I use that with my clients all the time because, you know, with, with your company, with my company, everything we're up to, you're, you're excited, you're motivated. Then then you realize you don't know what it's going to take and it's going to suck, right? The uncon, the consciously, uh, uh, what's it? So the first one is unconsciously incompetent. Like you're yep. not sure what it's going to take, but you're excited. So yep. when Sandy took over X endurance, he's like, I can see potential. And then very shortly into that. And just like you guys repositioning the company within a, within a few days, probably you're like, Oh, was this a good idea? Now yeah. you're 
consciously incompetent. Like we've never done this sort of business before. And yeah. so there's a little bit of surety, but all it takes is to continue to show up every day, regardless. Yes. Keep those routines, be prepared, the practice, like you talk about. Yeah. Practice, practice. So then you have that at least behind you. Like I'm just practicing. We're showing up the way we can. Yes. Then you move to phase three, which is consciously competent. All right. Things don't go perfectly, but as long as we keep showing up and keep putting in the work, it gets a little bit easier, a little bit better. We, it gets, know. yeah. Yeah. It just becomes a lifestyle and it's not a fad or a, yes. or a diet, how we like to use like, or weight. I, I don't even like the word weight loss, to be honest with you. Right. So I think it's an ecosystem of health that becomes your lifestyle, you know, and those are habits too, yeah. you know, eating right and moving your body, you know, exercising. Um, and then I, I believe in supplementation for the reasons of the gaps that we we're missing in our foods. Right. Well, they say yeah. that something like a, a bowl of broccoli is eight times less nutritious than it was, you know, like 20 years ago. Yes. Yep. I, met, I met a guy named Lou Hollander. You ever heard of this guy? No. Lou Hollander set the world record for the oldest man to complete Ironman. Wow. You guys should reach out to him. I, he, he's all about supplementation. So he, he did, he's also a physicist. So he used all his brain power to, to calculate how long, how old you could be physically to complete something like the Ironman. This guy, when he was 40, so he's 85, 80, probably 89 now, if he's still alive, I'm not sure. But uh, when he was 40, he was looking at racehorses. Yeah. Like they're giving these racehorses supplements. Why are human athletes not taking supplements? I went down to the feed store and would take supplements they were giving to racehorses for himself. Wow. Like, he's probably the pioneer of supplements. He just didn't make it a career. Probably. Yeah. Right. So anyway, I met this guy. He was 82. Uh, he was 85. And he said, I did the research and the oldest you can be to complete an Ironman is 82 physically. And he goes, the problem with that is I'm 85 and I've qualified for Kona and I'm doing that this year. Wow. So he's like, I'm either going to have to train harder, rework my theory or quit. And I'm not quitting. Not and quitting. Sure enough, I saw in the news a few months later, he completed the Ironman at 85 in the time cap. Wow. But one of the things he was very clear about is you have to supplement. He showed a picture in his presentation of his counter at his home, and it was all it was tons of supplements. Yeah. And, and of all different kinds. But he said, look, you're not getting in your diet yes. what is necessary, even just to be a base level healthy human being, let alone asking your body to perform at a high level. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And that recovery is just crucial. Yeah. So, you know, the way we perform as athletes these days is like 10 times what it was years ago. Right. And then, like you said, the food that we're getting, you know, the nutrients are way less than it used to be. So it's like now we have more intense workout, but our foods are not even properly nourishing our bodies. Yeah. So again, that's why supplementation exists. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you said something about, not liking the term weight loss. And, and I, and I agree with you hundred percent. Like it, it is a term that people can relate to, but the fact is weight loss isn't a byproduct of focusing on losing weight. It's somebody's relationship to themselves, and, and that's, that's, yeah, that's what I coach. And, um, when people first come to that's me, a great way to put it. what's that? That's a great way to put it. Yeah. And when they come to me, they think they're coming in for diet and exercise. And it's the yeah. very last thing we even talk about. And they're a little confused by it. But what they start to discover is their relationships are better. They're 
with their their spouses or their kids or their work life is better. They manage stress better. And, and I say, look, weight loss is a byproduct of your life working. Yes. What's going on up here, how yes. you relate to yourself. And, and in my experience with people to lose weight, um, a lot of them have trauma, some mm -hmm. sort of past traumatic experience that they made it mean something. Yeah. And that, that lesser meaning of who they are yeah. them back significantly. And so when we complete that and let it have them free themselves of the constraints of the past, then they're free. Then they're, you know, what, some of the stuff you and I've learned now, all of a sudden they're looking and there's nothing out there in their future, right. anything they want. So yeah. now, that mindset, I know that McDonald's isn't healthy for me, mm -hmm. but back then I didn't really love me. Yeah, now I love me. Now I've realized I've been judging myself for something that I experienced as a kid that really has no impact on my adult life. So why would I drive through McDonald's? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, so I'm like, you're like a landmark on steroids now. <laughs> I've taken enough of that. Not really what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. I appreciate you saying that. It's been, it's been my life's passion, you know, watching these people go from, I mean, I, I have some clients that, you wouldn't even make a, a rated R movie about mm. and they think it's them, you know, and to help them discover that their role in it was such a small, significant role in that whole event. Right. Where all of a sudden that weight is gone. They're yeah. just, it's like a, you know, those breakthroughs. It, it's one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my entire life. So absolutely. Um, Me too. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so what advice would you give your younger self? Let's say like, right out of college or whatever, what would you give your, what advice would you give yourself then that you see would maybe have made a difference by now? You know, my brother asked me this question this weekend. He's 21. He said, what would you do if you were 21? And I said, I would study everything I've started to study only since 2014. That's when I was <laughs> landmark. And, and That's my, to landmark. Yeah. I went to yeah. landmark 2014. Before that self-development, you know, you talk to me about a life coach or self-development. I'm going to say, yeah, go walk barefoot in the trees and hang out with your hippie friends. Like that's really what, yeah, right. what I thought. Right. And right. How, it's, it, how it's enhanced my life since then, that's what I would do at 21. So what would you do at 21 or what advice would you give your 21-year-old self? You know, it's funny that you just said that because my answer would be to, to learn and identify who I, who I became at that age. That makes sense. Like it's exactly what you just said. It was so from age zero to whatever, 21 years old, like what made me that person? Because that's what landmark showed me that I was dealing with internally. Right. Um, and my twenties were probably the worst years of my life. They were for sure. You know, like I was in pro ball and I was, I was injured my whole career, you know, and I got out of pro ball and I lost my identity. I want to be a firefighter. And the downturn in the real estate market caused me to not be able to be a firefighter because no one hired, you know, so I was, I was on, uh, you know, the waiting list for three years and then forced me to get a corporate job, which I found out corporate America wasn't for me. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and so those were probably the worst years, but I'd never take those back for where I'm at now. That's what I'm saying. The mindset of like, what keeps me motivated is that I went through all that stuff to find where I'm at today that I'm passionate about and I'm happy and I don't take it for granted. Um, but if I were to give myself advice back then is to identify what my, um, I guess, vulnerabilities are, what my insecurities were 
um, back then because then my relationships would have been a way, way stronger with everyone. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Um, and so where do you see yourself in 10 years? Like you say, one of the things you kind of briefly touched on is in five years, you'd love to see yourself in uh, like the Asian market in Japan or something like that. When you look at your life as a whole, not just the company, what do you see yourself doing in 10 years? Um, some, something philanthropic. Um, that I feel like this is the platform to do it because, you know, I asked this question to someone the other day. I was like, what do you think is the one thing you can control in your life? Like the only thing you can control, you know, and the first answer was health. And I was like, well, you can't really control that because there may be, you know, things from, you know, that are in your hereditary that you just can't, right? But the only thing we can control is what we put in our mouth. That's my, that would be my answer. So to continue on this mission on advancing, not only just from the supplementation, but incorporating the ecosystem of health, because like I said, I, I knew back then my plan B was to be a firefighter and, and help people that way. And I think now this is a platform that I can help people on a much larger scale. Um, so in some sort of way to be more philanthropic, I don't know exactly what that looks like yet. Um, we love the, the church that we go to. I'd love to do more stuff there. Um, I think in time, the baseball side of things will, will fizzle out. Um, but I'll continue to work with athletes cause I know that space. Um, but some sort of philanthropic, you know, thing that I would like to participate in just yeah. don't know what that looks like yet. Yeah. I love that. So yeah. service, being of service is just really what I've heard you kind of allude to the whole conversation is serving people one way, yeah. whether it's by profession or philanthropic ventures, serving people matters to you. Yeah, I think that's why we're here. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah I agree. I, I've, uh, I transitioned from the religion I was raised in, had to kind of find myself, right? Because when you're born into one way of being, and then you leave, there's a big gap that gets to be filled. And sure. what I've discovered for myself is the more I serve, the more I feel loved, and the more I love. And I think the only thing, you know, the only thing we're going to be judged on by whoever you call it, you know, at the end is did we love people and where we have service? Right. Exactly. Who do you have to be to show up that way? You know? Right. So, yep. um, two more questions to finish up. Yeah. Where do you, uh, so what was one of the biggest failures you've experienced in your life or at the time you perceived it as a failure and how did you overcome that? What, what was that experience like to get out of that? Right. Cause I, I've experienced that. I, you know, I was sure rush club was my calling. Yeah. And I spoke of it that way. Yeah. And and, uh, when that all kind of went down, I mean, it went down pretty hard. And I had to claw my way back out of that through my own, you know, honestly, I got to a point where I was just like, it was bad. Yeah. But you know what? Everything you've talked about, you've read, you've you've bought into, it's all BS unless you use it when you need it. Right. So what's what's that been like for you? And how did you overcome those feelings? Um, I think what I looked at was a failure was that obviously my baseball career didn't work out the way I thought it was going to. So I look back on where that started and was, you know, I was faced with the decision to sign as a professional as an 18 year old, or I could have gone to college and played three years. Right. And I probably would have matured a little more. My body probably would have matured a little more. So I may have stayed healthier. Um, so you know, I made the decision to sign out of high school because I was mentally ready, but I just physically, my body was not ready. 
And so that's why I was uh, my I was just in the training room my whole career. You know, I had a couple elbow surgeries and my body just couldn't hold on. And so I looked at that as a failure. But how I overcame that was like, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't have learned so quickly about money, finances, you know, a home, some of the real stuff that we deal with on a day to day. Um, I was learning life quickly and I didn't even know it was happening, you know? Yeah. Um, and I went through one of the career ended was the economy down the turn down of the economy, right? With real estate. And I owned some properties. I lost everything, everything I made in baseball, every, every money that I ever made was gone. Like literally so I poured all my money into those houses trying to keep them. So that taught me a huge lesson too. So do I look at that as a failed success now? No, because it got me to this point where lesson learned and you know, was it a mistake? No. Because if it's, if it's a mistake, you know, you don't learn from it. Yeah. So. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, so then last thing, do you have a favorite quote to put you on the spot here? But is there a quote that you would say would be your favorite? No plan B. Yeah, I love that. Okay. I got that. Yeah. Really makes That's you the committed. <laughs> yeah. And that goes back to the, you know, the routine and the, and people are like doubting themselves and questioning what they're doing. And it's like, if you are passionate about something, there is no plan B. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Awesome. That's, that's, that's where you're supposed to be. Awesome. Great. Yeah. Jason, thank you for uh, spending some time with me this afternoon, being on our podcast. And um, I wish you guys and your team the best of luck. You guys have. Hey, a thank you. Appreciate it. AJ. You too. Yeah. Thanks, brother. Talk Thanks, to you. man. Take care. Bye. Take care.